you know, back in the day, farmers had small holdings and and when I say back in the day, I mean right back to Roman times all the way through to say the 20th century, the start of, of the, the two great wars. It was farmers who had small holdings on behalf of great landowners or, or you know, there was the lords and ladies of the day or you know, they were the very wealthy gentlemen farmers as they were called and things like that. They were the ones who owned the land, they were the big landowners or it was on behalf of a local king or some other royalty and the farmers then were producing food and looking after animals looking after the agriculture on behalf of these people these landowners and so on as time went on obviously a few of them made enough money perhaps to buy their own farms and started to increase their sort of uh, potential their lands as well and became the big farmers that uh, came up later on in period but at first it was the local people who had small holdings and they were producing food for say the stately home or thing, things like that and whatever was left over was theirs to use uh, for themselves for their own families and perhaps to take to market to make uh, not a small profit for uh, for themselves so the kids perhaps buy other essentials or other luxuries perhaps not probably not so many on the side of the luxuries but certainly they had a, a living an existence if you like they weren't sort of very rich but after the two great wars in the 20th century in fact during that time things started to change in the sense of the farmers were then producing food for the whole nation because a lot of the people, you know, especially the men in that went to war, uh, there was food rationing and all kinds of things. So they had to feed the armies. And that was also, I mean, that happened back in the day as well. The farmers produced the food to, to feed the various armies that were going around, especially in the Roman times. So that kind of didn't change. It was afterwards, after the wars, that things started to change as far as farmers go. So as you can imagine, this episode's about farming and in particular I'm going to be talking about how we could reverse intensive farming or a possible way of doing that. Hi, welcome to the Punk Living Journal. This is Jerry Sadler and this is the podcast which is raising awareness about living in a more peaceable, unifying, nurturing, cooperative way so that you can feed your mind, feed your nation, feed the world bit grandiose I know it <laughs> I keep try to keep up try to keep thinking all these different taglines this novels work out that's what I'm sticking with at the moment anyway back to farming it was in the sort of late 50s 60s that things really started to change in the form of supermarkets and that's when you know the, the, the smaller shops started to be replaced by these huge superstores and you've got them all today, you've got in America obviously one of the biggest ones is Walmart. Here we've got uh, Tesco, we've got Asda, Morrison's and the like. When I was growing up, the only supermarket that I knew was Spar. And that's still around, but they weren't like big supermarkets like, you know, superstores and things like that. They were just places like convenience shops, if you like. And you get a lot of them around to so the smaller shops. 
mean over here in UK you've got like the, the bigger supermarkets have now opened up lots of uh, like Sainsbury's local or Tesco whatever extra whatever you know smaller convenience stores and you've got Aldi which is a, a German supermarket chain they're going to be opening up a, over the next couple of years something like one new store a week and many of those are going to be the smaller versions so it seems like a reversal from the big super supermarkets back down to the convenience stores that we were used to way back in the day in the 60s 70s into the 80s it wasn't until the 80s that i actually saw one of my first major supermarkets which was a safeway supermarket i thought wow this is cool you know everything in one place however when you look at today they monopolize the food industry they have such buying power that they force the prices down especially when it comes to farmers to a bare minimum so that they can make even more profit themselves from selling their produce on and obviously there's price wars going on now as well especially here in UK because you have got the discount supermarkets like Aldi and Lidl who have made a huge impact on the normal market and the supermarkets then are feeling the squeeze because people are going more to them than they are to their, their own places uh, and they don't like that obviously <laughs> so they use their buying power you know, and they have so many farmers in particular I want to talk about farmers they have so many farmers in their grip so many farmers rely on one or other of the, the giant supermarkets because they're the sole customer that they have. Without them, you know, the supermarkets, if they turned around and rejected them, these farmers would be out of business. It's as simple as that, especially when it comes to, to not only, well, it's all areas of farming really, whether it's meat or, or poultry or milk, dairy products, uh, fruit and veg, whatever it happens to be, they would uh, be well and truly out of business. So my question is, is there a way back from that because this kind of monopoly has led then to the intensive farming that we've seen today because the farms have you know have kind of a, a joined together to create even bigger farms if you like and the way they farm has changed from the way it used to be the practices used to be it used to be back in the day now i'm going back maybe a couple of hundred years or whatever that uh, you had fallow farming or turnaround farming whatever you want to call it you'd have maybe say well for one particular crop, crop you'd have say three fields that you used one that you, you'd be using that year for harvesting because the crop would be growing another would be lying fallow because that was the one that was used last year and the one that was used the year before would be grassed let the, uh, out to grass and that, that would feed the cattle and the sheep and you, you did it in a turnaround system like that. But with all the intensive farming, you're not getting that. Plus all the herbicides and the pesticides that's been used over the decades has ruined the soil. When you even get, yes, there is a return to organic farming today, but you even get those farms, you know, they're not, say, 100% organic because the soil that they're using has been polluted already. It's been, you know, it's getting back you know, to, to a better way, but it's, it's been polluted, it's been destroyed in many ways from all the intensive farming that's gone on before it. Because many of these organic farms have actually bought out 
smaller holdings or, or parts of bigger farms or whatever that are no longer usable and they've turned them into organic farming. And that's a, a good indicator of the way that we should perhaps be going back to small holdings. And the reason why I bring that up is because I was reading an article by uh, Practical Action. Practical Action is an NGO, a non-governmental organisation that helps people all around the world, especially those in poorer countries, to find ways of sustaining and creating a living for themselves. And many of them do that through farming. Yeah, and instead of intensive farming, they train them how to do sustainable farming and use what they call agroecology, which is a way, a method of farming, not only just for profit, which is the way most of them do today, but for a way that they can look after the, the soil, look after the farm, look after the planet in a very sustainable way and continue to reap the benefits of that good soil that they are creating. There's other ways of uh, reducing pests and so on that you do get you know, on, on the plants and so on, like aphids and things like that. I mean, there's companies out there in, in uh, South America as well as in other parts of the world, in Asia and so on, who use ladybirds, for example, to fight aphids so that they don't eat all the plants or contaminate all the plants and so on. So the ladybirds eat all the aphids and then there's, others, there's other ways of uh, treating the ground or using other animals to eat the slugs and snails which are eating away at the crops and so on. And obviously there's natural means as well of scaring birds off from seeded sort of, uh, fields and so on so they don't steal all the seeds, seeds that have been planted or all the young shoots and so on. But most of the birds I think would rather have the bugs that go after them and then the actual seeds. But it's different ways, you know, that uh, can be used, a natural way to use against uh, pesticides, instead of using pesticides and, and uh, things like that, which, which seriously damage the soil and make it unusable. Yeah. And they, they also use like technology as well in these poorer countries, things like solar powered irrigation. And why can't we use that in you know, the Western world? kind of thing you know that I know there are uh, there is a lot of research going on for example with uh, robotic farmers if you like that they are basically the same way as you have drones but they, they control tra uh, tractors and combine harvesters and so on and uh, I think it's in the Midlands UK Midlands they're, they're studying this I think it might be in Warwickshire they're studying this and they've had good results over the last year or two with uh, robotic tractors uh, and combine harvesters. You know, they, 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 these ones do all the work, say like a normal farmer or farmhand would do, in seeding and so on, but they also harvest. So there'll be less need for backbreaking work you know, to, to be done in, in that sense for harvesting and so on. Is that a way to go to have it all rob robotic or AI controlled? Perhaps that would probably work, say, on the larger farms if we maintain that model. But on smaller farms, smaller holders, I'm not so sure that would work as well. And obviously it would mean a lot of people would be out of work, you know, especially these who are seasonal workers and so on. So what's the answer? Well, I feel, as I mentioned, that we should go back to more small holdings 
where the farmers then produce food for the local area. You know, whether it's local shops or whether it's you know, farm shops like some of the organic farmers do, or many of the organic farmers do, you know, just for the local area. The supermarkets are already, as I said, reducing. You know, uh, going back more to the model of the convenience store, the smaller store, where you can still get everything you want, but it's on a smaller scale, it's not these big superstores. Because those, those places must cost a fortune to maintain all, all the, the, the costs of all the, the overheads and everything like that. And it would help reduce the carbon footprint as well, because they wouldn't be using as much energy. So that's another way. You know, and the farmers themselves could, could sell their produce at markets, like many of them still do, but on a very, very small scale. But they could do that more often, and in a more sustainable way. You know, in, in the sense of, they don't have to travel miles and miles to all different kinds of uh, markets all over their county or all over the country. They can go to the local town, like it used to be, you know, we have market towns for a reason, and sell their food to the local people. And it'll be fresh food, freshly grown food, organic. It'll be uh, fresh meat for those who are meat eaters like myself, fresh f veg, I love me veg as well, you know, dairy and, and everything like bread and things like that. And in my local market here in Rugby, there's a guy who, who uh, has a stall and he comes, here, comes to uh, the market once a week on a Friday and he has his own bread. He makes his own bread, whether it's sourdough or whether it's uh, brown you know, well, wholemeal or, or white or, you know, has his own recipes and scones and cakes and things like that. And he does that in his own home bakery. And, you know, he's doing quite well out of that. We need more people like that, more places like that, whether that's in a market store, whether that's in a shop. Let's focus more on producing enough food for our own families, you know, as in the farmers, and also for those who, uh, who want to buy off it, say, in the, in the local markets, like it used to be. You know, and you might say, well, that's stepping back in time. We're supposed to be moving forward. Well, perhaps this is a move forward you know, into the future. Because the time will come, because of climate change and so on, that we will probably have to uh, look at ways of staying more local in that sense because those big supermarkets and that are most likely not going to be around. They're already, they're already in trouble. A lot of the stores are being closed down, you know, and big department stores and that are losing out. But the supermarkets, they're starting to cut back. You know, and they're closing stores to save money because it is costing them too much. So the way forward, I feel, are smaller shops, you know, maybe convenience shops, that's a, that's a good start. And then back into the more independent shops like we used to get, the grocers and the butchers and bakers and things like that. And they're still around, so just not as much in number. But organic farming, farming for your local area. And then if, if there's anything left over from that, then it, it can go you know, perhaps to charities and things like that to feed those who are less fortunate than ourselves, who perhaps haven't got the funds to buy uh, food from the shops and things like that, you know, the homeless and so on. So they can, they can, that can be donated then onto them and feed them as well. Yeah. And 
we could work together in that. That would be like a cooperation. That would be like a collaboration. That would also be unifying as well, because each area would be unified in doing that for their local area and do their piece bit or uh, piece or bit for, for the nation as well in that sense. So I think the way things are happening now with the way the farming industry is, the way that's working out, especially in UK because of, because of the, uh, the Brexit situation, what might happen, you know, the farmers are going to have to look more locally instead of, you know, creating produce, uh, whether it's cattle or, or, you know, whether it's meat industry or whether it's uh, arable, you know, sort of uh, crops and cereals and things like that, instead of looking towards exporting those to other countries, each country could do its own bit to farm and look after those in their local area. I think that's a more sustainable way of doing it. Now, I could be wrong. You know, perhaps I'm talking a lot of rubbish. I don't know. But I just feel that that would be a better way. It sounds like a good plan to me that we should be more localised, not isolated. I'm not talking about isolation or anything like that, but more localised in our farming methods. Feed the local area. And that, and that could be this, you know, the villages around, the t small towns or whatever, the towns around. But let's put a stop, perhaps, to... Well, in fact, no, not perhaps. Let's put a stop to exporting our produce all around the world when we don't need to. Especially if you've still got people in your own country who, who are going hungry. You know, and it's, let's stop farming just in the name of profit. You know, and let's put an end to these huge supermarkets... Which, which, in all fairness, we don't need because these supermarkets are just depleting our towns and villages of, you know, the shops that they need, the amenities that they need. You've got town centres which are like ghost towns or full of charity shops uh, and, and ca cafes, but no decent shops like they used to be. Let's bring that back. Yes, it might be a step back in time, but perhaps it's a relevant step back in time. Maybe it's a way for us to survive into our future if we work more closely together and be more unified in that way. We don't need to export our goods all around the world, not well, in the form, form of uh, food and so on. Not, not when we can look after our own people and have a big enough market for there. Let's forget about the profit. Let's forget about this capitalist idea that we have, you know, of just doing it all for profit, all for gain, and not for, you know, not, not for looking after the people that you should be looking after. Okay, so that's all I'm going to talk about this time. So I'm getting a bit distracted here. There's, <laughs> there's cats and everything around here. There's, and there's, there's boy races. <laughs> so I'm going to stop now. And uh, let me know your thoughts. How do you feel about this? I'd, I'd appreciate some feedback on that. Now, like I said, I don't always get my facts right. It's just an idea. I'm just a layman philosopher, as, as I like to call myself. These are just ideas that I come up with and I was inspired by the Practical Action article that I read to, to make this podcast. And a big shout out to them as well for all the work that they do. So get in touch. I'll put the details in the show notes as always. And I look forward to speaking to you again once again very soon.